Anyone know what that is? That's music to my ears. That's another sale on Shopify, the all-in-one commerce platform to start, run, and grow your business. Shopify makes it simple to sell to anyone from anywhere. Whether you're selling shirts or sandals, start selling with Shopify and join the platform simplifying commerce for millions of businesses worldwide. With Shopify, you'll customize your online store to your brand, discover new customers, and build relationships that will keep them coming back. Shopify covers all the sales channels to successfully grow your business, from an in-person POS system to an all-in-one e-commerce platform, even across social media platforms like TikTok, Facebook, and Instagram. And thanks to 24-7 support and free on-demand business courses, Shopify is here to help you succeed every step of the way. It's how every minute, new sellers around the world make their first sale with Shopify. And you can do it too. I love how Shopify makes it simple for anyone to sell their products anywhere. Whether they're eBooks or earrings, Shopify simplifies starting and running your own successful business. When you're ready to take your idea to the world, do it with Shopify, the commerce platform powering millions of businesses down the street and around the globe. Now it's your turn to try Shopify for free and start selling anywhere. So sign up for a free trial at shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite. Go to shopify.com slash c-suite, all lowercase on c-suite, to start selling online today. Shopify.com slash c-suite. Are you a woman who's ready to excel in her career and her life? Are you ready to be a professional saleswoman by using your inherent qualities? Are you a woman who wants to be better prepared for a leadership position? Then you're in the right place. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman. It's about women in business, work-life balance, leadership, and current events related to gender communications. Be prepared to be inspired, motivated, and challenged. Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman is your connection to women nationally, internationally, and globally. So get comfy and see what the buzz is all about. Find out more at www.sellinginaskirt.com. Now, your host, Judy Hoberman, on C-Suite Radio. You know, it was late 90s or early 2000s when I was in my position as an agency manager. I had offices in Connecticut, North Carolina, and South Carolina. And as I went from office to office working with my agents, I noticed that many of them were in the office, a lot. They were behind computer screens with a headset on, making calls and roaming back and forth across the floor. They seemed to be busy, but they didn't seem to be as productive or as involved with their clients as those that were not doing that same activity. You see, the agents that were outside the office were meeting people at events, working with prospects in their homes or offices, and building more personal relationships and connections with people. So how important is making connections? Now let's fast forward into today's world where connection is even more important and yet the face-to-face connection has been replaced with video connection. Connection is a basic human need and while we can't hug someone or shake their hand or be in person with them, being able to see them on a video platform is a great way to continue being up close and personal. Now the way you do business in person is the way you do business virtually. It takes a little getting used to, but it still is a connection. So I want to go back to last year where I attended a conference. We were getting ready to do an exercise with a partner. And before we began to have a conversation, we had to look at our partner straight in the eyes and say nothing. We simply had to look at them. Well, this was probably only a minute or two. It seemed like a lifetime. Now, and it was a good way for me. Many people said they were uncomfortable looking straight into someone's eyes and said, other than looking at you, I have to keep looking away because it's uncomfortable. And others said they saw the person's soul, and others said they felt like they knew each other. 
Now for my partner and I, it was like discovering an old friend for the first time. She and I had no difficulty looking straight into each other's eyes. And at one point we both started tearing up. We had met each other before, or so it seemed. There was such a profound connection that when it was time for our conversation, the word simply flowed. And when our time was up, we were disappointed that we didn't have even more time. That's the beauty of making a real connection with someone. Now, I have to admit, I haven't tried this on Zoom or GoToWebinar or our Teams or anything else yet, but I'm sure the result would be the same. Now, I'm definitely not suggesting you do this in business since you'll either be seen as weird or will end up on a news program as being inappropriate in some way. What I am saying is that we crave human connection in our personal lives, so why not in our professional ones as well? Connection is the key to all life, let alone business, because it creates feelings, and feelings are the core of all successful businesses. We talk about our customer experience. How can you have a great customer experience without being connected? Customers come back when they feel a special connection with you and your business, and if your business has a strong community connection and profile, you'll have people supporting you over your competitors. Now, connection is even more important for women who operate particularly strong through this value. If you break a woman's trust, if you make her feel disconnected from you, she will never buy your product or do business with you again. I describe that as a curtain. When I feel that I've lost someone's trust, my curtain comes down and it's the final curtain never to be raised up again. Okay, so you may think that sounds a bit dramatic, but why would I want to do business with someone that I don't trust? I've given second chances on numerous occasions and only wish I had left the curtain down with no extra curtain calls. Sometimes we have to find ways to reconnect with ourselves so we're ready to continue our experiences in business as well as reconnect with others. Yes, social media will be part of that because that's all about sharing your feelings and connecting with others. Unfortunately, many people only show or exaggerate their success as human beings because that's what we want to see. However, Again, even though we're connecting, we still find many people having conversations with each other while they're sitting next to each other. So again, I do recommend a mixture of social and personal media. One more thought that should be mentioned, connection should be based on quality, not quantity. We live in a world of instant gratification, and what better way to see this than to watch people at a networking event? There are two types, those that are networking with intention and those that are not. Here's the difference. Close your eyes and visualize your desk right now. Are there piles of business cards waiting for a home? Do you still have dozens upon dozens of people that need a follow-up call and you put it off because you either can't remember why or where you met them? Is your CRM or database filled with hundreds, if not thousands of names, and yet none of these are your perfect client? That visual are those that value quantity over quality. How can you possibly make a connection with someone that either is not your perfect person or isn't your perfect strategic partner? They are simply a perfect person just not yours, for your business. As Richard Branson said, succeeding in business is all about making connections. We're going to take a break to thank our sponsor, Walking on the Glass Floor. And when we come back, you're going to hear from my guest who will share her thought about connections. This is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio, and we will be right back. What happens after shattering the glass ceiling? You're now walking on the glass floor. Walking on the Glass Floor, Seven Essential Qualities for Women Who Lead is a timely and indispensable business guide for all women, whether you're moving out of a dorm room or moving into an executive suite. 
Introducing readers to the seven keys to success in business and life, Judy Hoberman brings her fresh voice, sales savvy, and thoughtful approach to each of the essential and most powerful leadership qualities. Written in her trademark no-nonsense glass-half-full prose, Judy's blueprint for business teaches all women how to cultivate and strengthen key skills that will serve them in both business and life. Uncover amazing qualities they already possess that will help them lead and succeed and harness universal leadership qualities to continue reaching their full potential. By providing authentic real-life case studies and inspiring quotes throughout, Judy fills each page with the timely advice women need right now. Walking on the glass floor is like having Judy Hoberman sitting right next to you as your business mentor, personal life coach, and best friend all at the same time. You can order your own copy of the book at walkingontheglassfloor.com. Welcome back to Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. Okay, hang on, because it's time for my guest, Cheryl Hodgson. Legal counsel to entrepreneurs, litigator, guardian of big ideas, brand muse, spiritual psychologist. She is the founder of Brand Aid and Hodgson's Legal. Now, she provides a unique combination of legal expertise and practical business experience based upon her career in the music industry. Her successful career as a federal court litigator in cases involving music industry contracts, trademarks, and copyrights guarantee strong advocacy in business. She oversees brand protection for clients worldwide through her network of trademark professionals. She coaches and trains brand teams on the ideas found in her book, Registered Trademark, Business Owner's Essential Guide to Brand Protection. Her clients include entertainers, entrepreneurs, publishers, fashion brands, natural food brands, coaches, trainers, authors, music technology, and publishers. When it comes to protection for brands, music licensing, and royalties, Cheryl has become the lawyer's lawyer to whom other attorneys turn for advice. She's also served as professor of Loyola Law School, a federal court mediator, president of the California Copyright Conference, a Los Angeles music industry organization. She's an avid scuba diver and yogi, and she lives in Mission Viejo, California. So welcome to the show, Cheryl. I am super excited to have you here. Well, I am super excited to be here. Excellent, excellent. And I know it's early for you out there. So let's get started with the discussion of the day, connection. When you hear that, what does that mean to you? As you've said it all, Judy, at your intro at the beginning of the show, I was listening and mesmerized because some of the things you shared already were right to the heart of my own thinking. And I'd say that connection is something I learned to develop a little bit later in life because I loved people, but Growing up, I sort of hid from being seen and heard just as a coping mechanism. We all have our childhood stories, and that's not the point. The point is, I didn't know how to ask for help. As I heard one coach say to me once, there's the Lone Ranger syndrome. You think you have to, and women, I think, sometimes have that a bit of a innately mm-hmm. anyway, which is we have to take it all on and do it ourselves, right? And not knowing how to ask for help. And there's some aspect that's tied to connection there, which is really being able to be, to reach out and be vulnerable and to be seen and heard. So it's no coincidence for me that I'm talking about brands and branding and how does that relate to connection? Yeah, absolutely. Has connection for you changed drastically over the last few months or it's just continuation? You're just, you know, still going with it. Nothing's changed. It changed dramatically for me, started about 10 years ago, and it really crescendoed about five or six, because uh, I went through some, I've always been a a person who wants to grow and evolve on a human being, as a human being, both 
professionally and personally. So I went through a program called a master's in spiritual psychology. And it was very interesting, the comment you were sharing about having to gaze into someone's eyes. We used to close a weekend, our weekend, and I was in this master's program for two full years. And it was one full weekend a month for two years. And we would close every weekend with a three-minute soul gazing session in which Mm. we had to gaze into another person's eyes and a chime would move us along to someone else every 15 or 20 seconds. But it was very interesting and profound to have to stand there and look in someone else's eyes and see them not as a person dressed in a certain way, but the connection that you made with them. So I really related to what you said. So that was, I think, the beginning. And, it, and then it evolved for me into realizing that I, I reached a point in my career, because I've been an attorney for many years now, and I like to say it's not what I do now, it's who I do it for and who I help. It's the relationships and the connection I have with my clients and the contribution I can make in their business and in their lives. That flipped the switch for me mm-hmm. when I ceased looking at the task. And because let's face it, sometimes being a lawyer has its challenges, especially when you're in litigation, Absolutely. as any career does. You know, I began, I, I guess you'd call it a not really a midlife crisis, but I hit a point where do I want to do this for the rest of my life? And when I flipped the switch and realized that it really became more about the relationships and the connections and who I got to support and nurture in their business, it changed everything for me. So that's where the word connection really has a lot of value for me. Very important in my life. Okay. So you mentioned something about connection and brand. And and we all know that connecting with your clients is critical and that has a lot to do with your brand. And so you're the founder of Brand Aid. Tell us why you created this and why you do that, because it, it is something that I think some people just dismiss until it's too late. That's a great question, because first of all, I didn't know diddly squat, to be honest, much about what a brand really was. Here I was a a trademark professional ever since I got out of law school. I, I started in the tra- field of trademarks along with music. But I always felt, and before the internet, it really didn't matter that much. It wasn't really an issue. But as the internet came along, I started seeing clients have different challenges and different needs because it was no longer about putting a label on a product and getting it on a store shelf. Suddenly we had social media, we had websites, you know, the word could spread overnight globally. The word brand to me became kind of an enigma. I wanted to know more about it. And the more I looked into it and the more I started studying, which I began this about a decade ago, I realized that it's really not brought down to the level of the entrepreneur. A Fortune 500 company, a Fortune 1000 company, they have big resources. They can go hire a branding agency and spend six figures to launch their brand, right? If not more. But how does that relate to the startup? And I think it's something that, you, as you just said, it's often really overlooked. Mm-hmm. And I would see clients in my area of the brand conversation, I like to say, where, and, but I was divorced from the rest of it. And I came to the conclusion, and this is my own you know, metaphor for describing it, the subject of branding is difficult for the entrepreneur to grasp because it's not one thing. It is an amount, it's a village, as the old saying, it takes a village. There's many different areas of discipline and they exist in silos. 
And again, that's not a negative. It's just each person that contributes to the brand aspect, they don't necessarily and traditionally did not need to talk to each other. But that's changed now. As someone who's launching a company or a business, it's not enough to put a label on your product and get it on a store shelf. The question is, which platforms and social media are you going to be on? Are you going to be on Facebook? Are you going to be on Twitter? Are you going to be on YouTube? Are you going to have a podcast? There's a lot of choices. And then how do you manage all those conversations? And then how do you create a team that's vested in creating that connection to the consumer? Because that's really the bottom line is the word connection. Because I love what you said, and I would have never described it that way, but I love what you said about pulling down the uh, the veil, I think you said, or the shade. The because curtain, the curtain. That's the curtain. What, and that's what I do. That's if you visualize that. <laughs> it is exactly what I do. And I've never put a <laughs> word on it, but I'm telling you, if my trust is betrayed, that's it. It's over. And right. do what you say gonna do you do. And the word integrity comes along with that too, because integrity is not about being honest or dishonest. I was in a training once years ago and uh, the coach was talking about the word Integrity meaning whole and complete. And it means that people can trust you to do what you say you're going to do, honor your commitments, right? If you say you're going to show up, show up. And that's a good and huge part of connection, whether it's in business or in friendship and personal relationships. If that level of integrity is breached, the connection is can be irrevocably damaged. Yeah. And I think that a lot of times when people when you lose trust in somebody, what they've done or what they're accusing you of or whatever is a reflection on themselves. And so then I know, okay, I definitely don't want to be part of this. And, and I've been suckered in by many people and I just choose not to do that anymore. You know, I've divorced myself. I've removed myself from the situation. But I find that a lot of times when people think about branding, they don't think that anybody would ever touch their brand. They don't think that anybody would ever, what I use air quotes and say, borrow their brand or or their company name or their tagline. They don't think that there's anything about their brand that anybody else is going to use. We both know that's true. So why is it so important to have somebody like you in their corner so an entrepreneur knows, let me protect this. This is my property, even though it could just be, you know, some words that they wrote down. Why is it so important to, to protect that? There's a couple of reasons. And number one, my belief about what I'm about to share comes from the fact that the first 15 or 20 years of my law practice, I was doing a lot of court work. And I would be in situations where it might not be someone actually getting sued, but people would get a cease and desist letter, or I would find they'd find out somebody else had stolen their whole website and translated it into a foreign language. You know, I began to say to myself, why was it these great people, smart people ended up in a situation like this when it pretty much could have been avoided to some extent. And it largely came down to number one, they just didn't know what they didn't know. Okay. Mm -hmm. In other words, I feel the same way about my own life. Have you ever had that? I always like to say, it's what I don't know that bites me in the butt every time. (laughs) You know, It's the things I don't know I should be considering as important. And I think traditionally, and it's not a knock because there's thousands of fabulous, great trademark lawyers, and I've met quite a few of them over the years around the world. But I don't think the legal profession has done a great job of sharing the basic principles that allow, again, it goes back to pre-internet and post-internet. Now that the internet is there, 
what does it mean to have a brand in the online marketplace? And what are the risks involved? There's two aspects of it. One is, it's like an insurance policy. I know you worked in the insurance field. For example, getting a registered trademark is an inexpensive insurance policy that carves out a niche. My little basic analogy is, it's like building a playground with a fence around it for your product or service so that you have a space in the market within which to function where you have boundaries around you, okay? And if someone breaches that boundary, you have a mechanism or a tool to say, I'm sorry, you're trespassing on my property, okay? Without that now, you're really, you basically can't do anything. Many people don't even know, still don't know that, for example, Amazon now requires you, if you want to be part of the brand registry program, which is a trusted vendor in the Amazon marketplace, you must have a federal trademark for whatever your product or service is. If someone were to take your Twitter handle, if someone were to take your Instagram or your Facebook, you can't even file an online form unless you can submit a federal trademark to prove that you own the name. Okay. So those are some real practical reasons why. But also, there's a, another aspect to the whole thing, which is, you know, a trademark is but one form of intellectual property. And intellectual property, and this was where I got excited when I started making this connection. And that's what began my journey and my messaging literally 10 years ago. I was at the World Intellectual Property Organization in Geneva for an advanced mediation training in uh, intellectual property mediation. And I was literally in the lobby on a break and I saw a stack of brochures. And one was for a upcoming workshop for mid-level financial CFOs from all over Europe. And the sole topic of that workshop was going to be how to build value of your business using intellectual property. And a light bulb went off for me at that point. And I realized that's part of the messaging people miss. It's not just about suing or not being sued. It's about building the value of your business. And one of the speakers on that was a partner at PricewaterhouseCoopers out of Europe. And I actually reached out to him and did an interview with him at one point. And during the dot-com era, and it may have gone down a bit, they did a study up to 60% of the value of the price paid to purchase a company is for the brand and other intellectual properties. That makes it is more compelling to me than any other reason why it's smart to understand the basics of intellectual property and realize if you're trying to build a business, you want it to be worth something, right? So that's what every technology company in the world is doing. That's what anybody who's anybody on Wall Street is doing. Everything they have in value is based on their ability to protect their intellectual property. Interesting. Interesting. So when somebody starts a business, should they have a conversation with you or someone like you just to talk to them about, you need to register this? Should that be one of the first things that they do? Because I know a lot of times when you start a business, you say, okay, I have a business card, I have a website, and here I'm, I'm ready to go. And you don't have a marketing plan, you don't have a sales plan, you don't have anything. And so one by one, you start adding things. Should this be one of the first things that you do or where is it in your business plan? I'd say have at least have a conversation and it doesn't have to be the first thing, but certainly, and I cannot emphasize this enough, 
because of course I get to see the war stories and I can Mm -hmm. tell you many of people who didn't think about it again. They didn't think it was important or know that it was important. So they didn't deal with it. If you're launching a product in particular to begin with, and you're going to print up packaging and you're going to you know, start marketing, heaven forbid you don't at least find out if the name of the product or service is already registered and owned by somebody else. Because somewhere along the way, whether it's right when you launch or five years down the road, you're likely to get a cease and desist letter from somebody who already owns the name. So mm-hmm. wouldn't you like to know that before you spend the money? and hitch your wagon to that star. And the second thing that I see over and over, which is why I wrote my book, and I wrote this for a specific reason, it is to have the start out entrepreneur, if they aren't going to go to an attorney right away, the book contains the principles of what is a trademark? Does your business need one? How do you choose one that you can protect? What is the process for protecting it? What are the pitfalls? How to not get scammed and ripped off, which is a huge issue in the marketplace right now. And how do you find an expert when you need one? And the part that young entrepreneurs and new business owners, the biggest mistake they make, aside from not clearing the name, is choosing a name they can't really protect. It's staggering how many people choose a name that can't be registered anyway. They're choosing a descriptive name. I like to say it's like starting out your business with one arm tied behind your back because or the one arm paper hanger. Have you ever heard that kind of colloquial expression? Because you've kind of hitching your entire business connection to the consumer with something that they'll never remember because there's it's it's not distinctive. It's not memorable. And that may sound silly, but it's it's pretty important. I love my favorite example right now is as you and I both have online businesses and I have a podcast as well. I record in video and I've I've been working with teleprompters. And you know, there's many, many, if you go into the app store, and the app store is where I see a lot of this right now. Everything has a descriptive name. There are like 50 products that have the word teleprompter in them for a teleprompter program to right. work your teleprompter. I bought one years six years ago. I tried to update it. I couldn't rem- I couldn't find it because the it, it had such a horrible name. I couldn't tell one from another. And that is what the function of a trademark is. A function of a trademark for your brand. I mean a brand is not a trademark. Your brand is much bigger than a trademark. A trademark I like to say is just a messenger. It right. carries the messages and the connections to cre- uh, to create that connection to the consumer. Well if the consumer can't remember the name of the messenger, how they're going to How are you going to create a connection to them? The whole purpose of having a trademark is to distinguish your product or your service from someone else's. So if it doesn't serve that purpose, then it's not a trademark. So don't bother trying to register it. And I tell people that quite often. (laughs) And it's okay. If that's what you want and you're okay with that, it's a choice of yours to make. But make an informed decision. Don't do it by default and regret it later on. Yeah. And I know a lot of people, the way that they see if their name is viable is they go and look and see if there's a book with that name and see if there's a domain with that name. And you'd be surprised. There's a lot of people that don't take the domain and a lot of people that don't write the book, but they still have the name. And so you really need somebody that's an expert that can do the discovery to find out, okay, is this name viable? Is this name available? 
So yeah, I mean, I've heard horror stories as well, and I'm sure you've heard a lot more than I've heard. But well, and and that's interesting. You mentioned the word book title because that's a very common misconception. Right. Searching a book title when you're talking about launching a product or service is kind of irrelevant. It doesn't mean anything because there is no such thing as a trademark for the title of a book. Right. This is where it comes from. Because remember, philosophically, um, this is a little bit abstract, but it's, it puts it into perspective. The only reason why anyone is allowed to monopolize a certain name by getting a registered trademark is to protect the public. It's not for the brand owner. It's to protect the public. So if you go to McDonald's and you see the golden arches, you're going to get the same hamburger, whether you like it or not. Okay. You're going to get the same hamburger at every McDonald's. Okay. That's called quality control. That's what the entire franchise system is based upon. It's based upon licensing a trademark to someone else to use it. And the owner of that trademark is required to have the right to exercise quality control over the nature of what's being sold and offered to the public. Okay. So the point being that you, you, you've got to be able to provide something to the public that they can recognize and that they know if they go to any store in America. And, you know, sometimes it's overdone. In my, my opinion, we're kind of like, what happened to Main Street USA? Everything's filled with the same franchises from all over the United States now, right? Right, but, right. Yeah, it's interesting. So where can our listeners connect with you? Because I think that there's so many that can have such a good experience with you and understand the things that they really don't understand. So what's the best way to connect with you? Well, there's two things. Number one, for anyone that's listening on the podcast, on your podcast and your show, I do have a special gift. If they were to go to brandaid.com, which brandaid is spelled with an E, B-R-A-N-D-A-I-D-E.com forward slash free gift, they would be able to get a free copy of my book. That is a good starting place as a foundation. And for anyone who gets that book, they I offer a discounted consultation, the cost of which applies to any services if they decide to engage me at the end of the consultation. So that's one way. And the other is just reach out. You know, I actually have a Facebook group called Protect Your IP. It's surprising how many people were interested in that. So I get, I've done some live Facebooks in there. There's some recordings. You can reach me at Cheryl, C-H-E-R-Y-L, at Hodgson Legal, H-O-D-G-S-O-N Legal.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, Cheryl, I want to thank you so much for sharing the mic with me. I Every time I talk to you, I learn so much more and I'm so excited to be connected with you and I'm so excited to see what happens next with us. Yes, me too. And I want to thank you for having me on the show because I just feel a real resonance with your message and your audience. We all need what you're helping women do because women are out there. And we, like you say, we want to be recognized for who we are and the right. differences and what we have to contribute and do it our way. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I want to leave everyone with this quote by Adrienne Rich. She said, the connections between and among women are the most feared, the most problematic, and the most potentially transforming force on the planet. I thank you all for listening to our discussion where we share some extraordinary guests, some ideas for your business, and ways to stand out as the amazing women that you are. And make sure you can stay connected with us. And remember, women want to be treated equally, not identically. Until next time, this is Selling in a Skirt with Judy Hoberman on C-Suite Radio. This podcast is part of the C-Suite Radio Network, turning the volume up on business. 
This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.